Welcome to Space Nerds, your source for intergalactic science fiction and science facts. Engines primed, engage! I'm Andy. I'm Sarah. I'm Doug. And I'm Jesse. And we are the Space Nerds Star Trek Club. Yeah! Star Trek! We're meeting every week to talk about season one of Star Trek Discovery. Woo! Get ready for Star Trek Club! To share your thoughts on Star Trek Discovery, email us at spacenerdspodcast at gmail.com. We are Space Nerds! What's happening, fellas? What's happening, ladies? What's happening, Klingons? What's happening, people? I don't know what's going on. I'm confused. She's on the ship. Is she arrested? No, she's not. They're on a mission. They're the bug that they win. Then she's not. Not? What's going on? I don't know. Is she Klingon? No. Vulcan? Yes. Human? Yes. Kind of. What? I don't know. Well, yeah. Welcome to Star Trek Club. <laughs> Episode three of Discovery. Context is for Kings. What is going on? Is what is going on? If y'all don't mind, I, I got, do you mind if I start today? Because I got feelings. <laughs> We mind. Can't them go back. for it. No, so, yourself, Jesse. I've been real excited to rewatch Discovery because knowing where this story arc goes, I thought maybe I would like this more the second time through. And spoil alert, I don't. <laughs> I don't like it more. I, I think this episode is terrible. I think it's so bad. I enjoy wow. it. Like I enjoy watching it. I jo- I did enjoy it more this time, but I felt like my estimation of its quality actually went down i think this episode is terrible i think it systematically disassembles everything that i liked about the first two episodes of discovery adds in a whole bunch of shit that i don't like introduces a bunch of characters that are assholes that i'm supposed to be attached to for some reason i don't know and you know looking at this now knowing that i like season two I nothing that I like about Discovery is present in this episode. I just really don't like it. I feel like the the writing is is awful. I feel like it's so overly dramatic. It doesn't even try to make sense. Um, like there's a version of this story that I would enjoy, but this is not it. But I like. I mean, I liked watching it because Andy and I were just laughing at it. There was just like <laughs> so. I enjoyed it because it was funny because the dialogue was so terrible and there was so many stupid. You know. <laughs> Like, monologues, I feel like this episode makes Michael very unlikable. It introduces a bunch of people that are very unlikable, and I'm just like, why am I watching this show when it's over? What do you guys think? (laughs) That's real. I was like, I'll go next, because I don't have a lot to contribute, because I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, But uh, I don't think the episode was as terrible as it was played up to be, but I think... But maybe that's just because I didn't know what's going on. So I was like, well, it can't be terrible if I don't even know, right? (laughs) I'm too confused to hate it. Right, exactly. I definitely, like, cooked breakfast while I was watching it. And I kind of would, like, turn around and be like, 
I think I was listening, but I don't think it matters that I I wasn't because I don't think anything has changed. Yeah. Only once did I have to go back at the end when like she was talking to her roommate about something with her parents, and then even when I went back and watched it again, I was like, nope, it's no clearer than when I wasn't listening. So yeah, <laughs> you know, totally. Um, is, wait, okay, is that what's his name from Rent? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. From like, Harry Potter. What is he in Harry Potter? He's Malfoy's dad. Oh, oh, we're talking about two different people. Yes, yes, no. that is uh, the captain. Captain Lorca plays Malfoy's dad. Anthony Rapp. Oh no then, way! I didn't know that. Yeah, and Anthony Rapp is a famous Broadway actor. And not actor to spoil, but Rent. there like is the also head. going to be another actor from yeah. Rent. Wilson Cruz. Wilson Cruz is so good, and he's in really? this show. Really? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, he he showed up, and I was like. What? I know. <laughs> is, he, is this going to be the musical episode already? Hope so. Fingers <laughs> crossed. But yeah, I I didn't understand. I I have no idea what's going on. Besides, I know that she was supposed to go to prison, pretty much, and then they intercepted her, and Homie was like, "Nah, bitch, come." work for me yeah. and she's like i'm not gonna do that i know who you try to use me for and he's like no surprise i'm trying to do this and at the end he's like oh surprise i'm really not you got it and you yeah, said you were confused i know you that's a play-by-play of the entire episode <laughs> you really, yeah. you yeah. really anything get it. in between i was like i don't understand who these other people are like the fact that like when they were in okay here are my questions yeah when they were in the prison ship in the beginning yeah and there were the other prisoners somebody did something that caused other people to die and michael was like yo homie i knew people on that thing you did but mm-hmm. then i don't understand why when they were in the lunchroom for the first time they picked a fight with her mm-hmm. yeah that so those are two things i don't understand the relationship between the other prisoners yeah, I don't either, but it, but they're gone forever, so don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, I was like, I don't. But is that? But that event that happened where people died is that important to know? That's the pilot where there's the the battle. They call it the battle of the binary stars. That was when the Klingons and the Starfleet fought, and a bunch of ships blew up. So the the second last week's episode, and uh-huh. people now blame Michael Burnham for that and she seems to blame herself is that what you're asking sarah or are you asking like one of the other prisoners said they did something where people died but michael's like oh yeah well i'm the mutineer who killed this many people or are you talking about are you talking also about the ship because isn't didn't anthony rapp's friend who he was like video chatting with yeah also die in a recent they died in this episode in this and maybe that's what you're talking about when he's like okay Giving the weird monologue on the little... A lot little... of mystery space death. Yeah. yeah. She's know. caused I'm a lot of issues. The very beginning of the episode, they're, right. on, they're on... The prisoners on the ship. Right, and right. then okay. she's Shuttle. like, oh yeah, 8,000 some some number of people okay. died. Yeah. Like my cousin or somebody else. Like... Right. Doug's right. That, that, the answer the Europa, to that question right? is... Uh, she. They're talking about when Michael Burnham mutinied during the Battle of the Binary Stars and the Klingons were attacking. And the, remember that one ship like rammed into the Klingons and or the Klingons rammed into this yeah. one ship and then that ship like self-destructed yeah. that was the Europa and then someone mm-hmm. on the prisoner ship said oh I knew someone on the Europa so they're talking about the ship we saw destroyed in the second episode yeah oh okay I for some reason maybe because I wasn't fully listening I thought that the guy the prisoner did something that Michael then knew people 
who died because of the thing he did. I think what that or scene something he was a part of. My my take on that scene is they're trying to illustrate the fact that there's all these like hardened criminals, and then there's Michael, who the hardened criminals are afraid of because she's like this cold person who was responsible for eight thousand deaths because she's the only Starfleet mutineer ever. So I think they're just trying to set up the fact that the rest of the galaxy at large looks at Michael as this massive villain now. She's like notorious for mut- mm-hmm. for her mutiny. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. And then my and- other, just to clarify, at the end, we find out that the captain guy is the one who sent that bug thing to them. And like he like made that whole thing happen. That's heavily implied. Yes. Yeah. I, implied. Yeah, that's heavily implied. Absolutely. That but I, kind of, I believe it to be a hundred percent true. I agree. I think that he manipulated that scenario to bring Michael to him. And yeah. what was what were they doing? Like, where yeah. did they go, and why were they there? <laughs> which, this, which, okay. which, yeah. why, who were doing what? Uh, the group, the team. I don't know who they are. Discovery, Michael and them. Where the, they the away mission? Yeah, where yeah. they saw the the Klingon and he's like shush and then the right. like bug caves <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the, <laughs> the reason I think this episode is so poorly written is because it throws so much story at you and does not adequately explain any of it and mm-hmm. even rewatching it now that I understand the story I was like that's how you explain this no wonder I had no idea what was going on the first time and the first time I watched this I, I liked it a little more because I was so confused I was like oh I must be wrong I must be just confused this time when I watched it I'm like no this is badly written like this is not explaining what's <laughs> happening um, but anyway what's happening is that Paul Stamets who is played by Anthony Rapp the guy from Rent is working on this new form of, of organic propulsion. Like, normally propulsion you use, like, in Star Trek, you use a matter and antimatter reaction to propel your spaceship. But he's Crystals. T- yes, dilithium crystals, warp speed, like, all that sort of science talk. In this, they're saying that they're working on a new form of propulsion that actually uses something called the mycelial network, which is, like, space spores, like mushroom spores that that they say permeate the entire universe. And that if you... Basically, if you, like, go into the Spore universe, which is kind of like uh, an alternate reality, I guess, you can travel anywhere in the, in the galaxy instantly. And they're trying to crack this technology. And there's a lot of talk about how, like, spores are the building blocks of the universe. And none of it makes any sense. And it, none of it is even remotely scientifically accurate. And it's really... For me, it's really frustrating because, like, Star Trek has a lot of technobabble in it. But this is, like... This is not technobabble. This is just kind of like science fantasy that they don't even really attempt to ground in any sort of real science. And they, you know, I I looked into this a little bit at the time because I was so confused. And the writers are saying, yeah, it's like on Earth how there's, you know, mushroom spores kind of permeate the Earth. And there's this whole, um, like, uh, what's the word? Mycelial network. Sure. Yeah. There's this whole mycelial network on Earth. Um, and there's like, yeah, but we're saying it's like that, but in space. And that to me is just like this leap of logic that just does not make sense. That if there are mushrooms on Earth, then that means that there are mushrooms all throughout the galaxy in the void of space. But it makes, a, I don't know, it makes a little more sense later on when they kind of show you that it is sort of an alternate dimension. Like if we talked about subspace last time, how like you can said subspace communications through was basically like another dimension of space i think that's what they're trying to imply is that there is an invisible dimension of reality called the mycelial network that is like a gigantic 
mushroom <laughs> world where if you can break into it, uh, you can instantaneously travel anywhere in the galaxy and come out the other side uh, intact. So that's what they're trying to introduce. They're working on this crazy new technology. There is a sister ship to the Discovery called the Glen. And Paul Stamets, um, Anthony Rapp's character, has a friend on the Glen who is also working on this technology. They've been working on it for a long time. And then they have an a, a accident take place, and the entire crew gets turned inside out and killed. So it's a lot happening in one episode. I feel like if you're trying to introduce a new ship in episode three that is going to be the main ship, and you're introducing this new technology that is fundamental to the story... And you're introducing a sister ship, and you're showing how this technology can turn everyone inside out, and there's a monster attacking you, and the captain is really shifty and weird. That is too much weird and too much story for one episode. It does, for me, it just does not hold together as like a cohesive story at all. Doug, what do you think of it? I loved it! I know, I love it! Tell me, bring some positivity, I want to hear it. I really liked it. My, the only complaint I have is that I don't like kind of like, uh, you know, monster stuff, horror stuff. Hmm. So when they when they are creeping around the monster in the house version of the away mission, yeah. that's when it loses me a little bit. Yeah, um, I agree. But other than that, I really liked it. I thought that I, I liked introducing all of the new characters. I liked uh, the security lady, uh, yeah. Landry, I, Commander Landry. I love I like seeing Saru I again. Yeah. I like seeing... Uh, Detmer, Kate, Kayla Detmer yeah. back. She was uh, the navigation person on. Yeah, I love that too. Shenju with now, now she's got like her face is fucked up from you know the explosions and stuff. Yeah. Um, so I like that dynamic, like her clearly being pissed off at Michael, um, and then I like Saru, kind of uh, his relationship with Michael being explored a little bit more, and. Um, I liked. I do like Lorca, even though he definitely will make your little, uh, you know, fear ganglia stick out if you're paying attention. Uh, I do like that. I did like the Saru's line of like, he's a man who's not afraid of things normal people are afraid of. Yeah, I thought that was really nice. I really liked Lorca's dig against Stamets of like Saru saying, "Oh yeah, uh, Michael's the smartest person I've ever met," and then Lorca saying, "And he knows you." Yeah. Totally. I thought that was a sweet burn. Um, yeah, I, I, I think that there's definitely a lot going on. Um, I think they go a little too far down the road of show, don't tell. But I also think it's fine because none of it at this point is load-bearing. You don't, you don't really need to know any of it. It's just like, like Michael, we're getting thrown into the middle of this what-the-fuck-is-going-on situation that doesn't make any sense and doesn't map with anything we've previously known which is exactly what's happening to her, where she thought she had an understanding of how Starfleet works, and now she's being thrown into the ship that doesn't follow what she thinks she understands about the way Starfleet works. Yeah. Yeah, and there are there's a lot of interesting plot elements here, like being thrown onto a ship where you have these black comm badges and secret rooms, and people are mm -hmm. like, uh, is this a science vessel? Like, no, this is Discovery. Like, what does that mean? Right. And, I mean, for me, it's a little frustrating a lot of stuff in this episode is not really paid off later or just kind of abandoned in season two. Like this whole, like I forgot that discovery was a science vessel. I straight up forgot that because it's right. like never mentioned again. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, there is like good stuff. I love, I love Landry. 
I uh, Rekha Sharma is such a great actress, mm-hmm. and I'm always happy to see her. And this like badass, hardcore, you know, female security officer that mm-hmm. we've never seen the like of before. I'm looking at you, Tasha Yar. Like she's real. She's real hardcore. I really like it. Um, yeah, and I do love. Uh, what's the navigator's name? Kayla something. De- I don't. I think Detmer? it's like Detmer. I think you're Detmer. right, Detmer. Yeah, yeah. Because like I, I noticed when we watched the the first two episodes, like that she was on the Shenzhou and didn't have her implants. Right. And yeah, I, that's, she gets and, them from the obviously. That's right, right, that, right. And they like make a big deal about she turns and yes, it's, you know that's what I was just going to say. That Burnham shot when happens. she like looks at Burnham, you can see in her yeah. eyes like you're responsible for what happened to me. This is your fault, and you know she has to see that all the time after this. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Andy? So. Oh, sorry, Doug. Oh, and I like Tilly. That was my last. Oh, yeah, Tilly. Her. Tilly's. Well, well, I want to talk more about Tilly, but let let's hear what Andy's thoughts are. Yeah, Tilly deserves a breakout uh, session. I <laughs> I agree. Tilly, do you know what's funny is I remembered really loving Tilly, like, um, and I actually even remembered liking Anthony Rapp's character, hmm. um, but then watching this episode, I didn't really like either of them. <laughs> So They're both we, worse in this one. Yeah, yeah, I think we grow to like... I think they become much more likable as we go on. But right now, I'm just sort of like... Tilly seems like this kind of... I mean, I know that she has some adjustment issues, but like self-important, um, bratty, privileged girl that... Uh, yeah. That, the, and I and I mean, I... And, and she's funny and neurotic, and I, I like that in a character, but it doesn't outweigh her downsides yet, but I, I know we'll I know we'll grow to love her more. And then Anthony Raff's character, like I oh yeah, that speech he gives in the sh- a shuttle as they're like heading yeah. to um to the ship that they go for the away mission yeah. is so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> to me it was like it was like now let me tell you everything that I know about science. Yeah. <laughs> okay, little girl. You know, and just like, oh great, you're trying to show us how smart you are. He like criticizes her for that, and then he goes off on this huge thing about not biology and or what is it ever he says, biology and and physics and physics biology as physics. Yeah. And I think that's something I had an issue with throughout the episode is nobody was really I mean there were a few moments where people did but nobody was really speaking the way anyone would speak ever. Right. <laughs> and um like it's funny as a musical theater performer and maybe Sarah you can relate to this like there are certain musicals where you go and you're like this is just too much. Like, even for a musical, like, the scale of this show makes me not invest in anybody because it all feels like this huge, weird facade, you know? Mm. And I think that I ran into that in this episode. Um, But I did, I did, yeah, I mean, it just really feels like we're in a totally different show all of a sudden from the first two episodes. Um, But what I do remember is, like, settling into this new place that we are and and enjoying aspects of it i still have so many questions even though i'm watching it for the second time like just to quickly go back to the um mycelial mycelial network when she goes into that chamber and he's kind of explaining or what's his name orca Lorca. 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 thank you he lives on the second floor yeah yeah roca 
Lorca. Lorca. Jeez Louise. Okay, when Lorca's like showing her basically what the mycelial network is, and she's like traveling around the world and through different times and is he is I'm confused about what's happening in that scene. Yeah, the when she goes into the chamber and then like sees all these different places. Also, I have to point out that there's some great shout outs to the original series when she's traveling to all those places. Several of right. several of them are locations from the original series. Yeah. Right. So there's like this fan in me is like, oh that's cool. Sure. But like at the same time I'm like, but what are they doing? Yeah, so where she's <laughs> like, like it's like she's not traveling like with the ship. She's just seeing it? all these different places that you could travel to. Using Honestly, like, again, I don't understand. And that, to my memory, never happens again. Like, we never see anything like that again. It's it's just like this one moment in this one scene that's just kind of, okay, well, that happened, and now I'm just going to forget about it. Right. Hmm, that's yeah. about right. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fine. I just didn't know if somebody understood more than I did. But. My my take <laughs> is that they're just trying to illustrate the fact that this network is connected to everywhere, and right. you can instantly be anywhere. But but not. And that but, they're like super magic space mushrooms. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like this exact technology in a different show, I would like so much more. Hmm. Like if it was in, like Doctor Who, it'd be fine. You know, like Doctor Who regularly dives into space magic they don't really try to be scientific but star trek has generally tried to ground their science fiction in some sort of science they've tried to avoid space magic and be more into the sci-fi and i know that and doug's giving me a funny face like this is just my opinion of they also mean apollo you know i mean like, sure i mean no, yeah but like apollo is a person that existed in time travel is like um uh-huh. a thing uh-huh. that that you know they go into a lot and sure. and what but this is just my personal bar for what is too far i guess mm-hmm. yeah um, oh absolutely this is this i i i don't i'm not trying to argue the point yeah but your bar is just in a different place which is you know makes you they introduce q and as far as i'm concerned they threw the bar in the ocean and said sure. fuck all <laughs> yeah. y'all science doesn't matter anymore and yeah. i feel like i'm going to hold true to that sure yeah and like for me that never I, I I feel that that never hit me that way because what they do with Q is examine humanity and also say that like maybe there's this potential future for beings where like thought and um, reality can become interchangeable and there's like some sure. really interesting like scientific notions there even though it is way out there in space magic like no, no yeah. doubt Q is a fucking space wizard right. but somehow he's that, no Trelane but still yeah. <laughs> But he's trying, um, and for some for some reason that like doesn't rub me the wrong way. And I know that that right. rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Um, I, can, no, I can think of nothing else when I'm watching Star Trek. Yeah. Then why isn't everyone freaked out that Q exists? <laughs> yeah, totally. It's like God is real and he's an asshole. Yeah. And he's really obsessed with this one particular bald space captain. Like <laughs> that's fucking strange. Red alert. That's strange and weird. <laughs> Yeah, totally. And this is just a personal taste thing. And for me, this episode is just like... A bridge too far. In so many ways outside of my personal taste. Mm -hmm. It's funny because you love Mario. I would have thought when they introduced (laughs) Mushroom Warp Tubes to Star Trek, you'd have been all over it. True. Uh, So true. Yeah, I don't know. It just hits me the wrong way. Well, I want to get into our Tilly conversation. Yeah. 
Well, okay, so there's a part of me that really relates to Tilly because I'm allergic to everything and like this hypoallergenic. Wait, which one's Tilly? Tilly's the redheaded roommate. Curly haired redhead. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Thank there's you. a part of me that is is neurotic and I've had to kind of, you know, like learn how to be more comfortable socially over the course of mm-hmm. my life. And there's a lot of her that I relate to. Mm. Um, and I did like her the first time I watched this. And now coming back to this, I'm like, I kind of miss this neurotic Tilly because, hmm. um, spoiler alert, but she kind of like gets a little she less changes. neurotic as time goes on. Um, and I like this whole plot point of like, I'm going to be a captain someday and her kind of working towards that. But, but there's, but the dialogue that she has in this episode is so like, I, I guess it's not even Tilly that bugs me as much as Michael's reaction to Tilly. Like Michael is just a completely different person in this episode than we saw in the first two. And yeah. she seems to have completely forgotten what her personality is. And there's an argument Ooh. to be meant. There's an argument to be made that says, well, she went through trauma and she is like, grieving, she's given up and she's reverting back to her more Vulcan self. Um, I guess that's what is kind of implied, but, but I just, the yeah. way that she interacts with everyone really like annoyed me throughout the entire episode. And she's just so mean to Tilly at first. I'm like, why is she so mean? Like that whole scene just kind of disturbed me. Oh, yeah, I, she's I just mad at the world right now. I think it's fine. I, I think this is a case of uh, the, the motivations don't seem unreal to me, hmm. but I can understand being frustrated because it's the result of bad situations. But I think that it's still portrayed well and acted well, huh. but it is terrible situations that you're seeing. Like Burnham at the very beginning is effectively, I think, a form of like suicidal. I mean... Their ship is about ready to, the shuttle, the prison shuttle, is getting ready to be torn apart. Right, And right. everyone else is like, Panicking. we're going to die. Let's figure this shit out. She's, like, she's just finally. like, yeah, yeah, yeah right, totally. come get me. I agree. I and, think that she was happy to die. And then I think that kind of carries through for the rest of it. And now it's like, oh, oops, Uber Eats ad popped up there and I swiped <laughs> it away and it came up. So then, so then the rest of the episode is like, well, now her release has been snatched from her and she's thrown back into the ship. And now they're like, oh, and you have to get to work now. Okay, so now I got to go to work. And then when she goes to work, the people that she's working with are like, you're fucking awful. None of us want you here. Hmm. So it's, I think the whole thing is just like a, a bad situation. And we're seeing someone in a bad situation. And, and uh, Saru is the only person I feel like we see in a better light than we did before. Yeah. You know, mm. Saru is kinder and, and, and has, I don't want to say lightened up a little bit, but there's a, there's a, there's a different dynamic between him and Michael than existed before. So now this is reset. Uh, uh, all the other relationships, they're all very toxic. And Lorca is definitely, you know, a, a shitty guy uh, manipulating the situation. But then the subsequent e- episodes, I do think that the characters kind of settle in and it makes more sense. Mm. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I, to me, a lot of the stuff that comes across as like people being unlikable is people who are normally likable in a bad situation. Like Stamets. Stamets is someone who I think is a good character, and I think this episode really portrays him as a very good guy who is more in line specifically with Starfleet's ideals and is now being forced into a situation he doesn't want to be in. So he's just pissed off. He's just pissed off. Like, he wants to do this science, but he's forced to do this science for war in, in a war effort, which yeah. makes him mad. And now here's a person who in his mind, started the war, mm-hmm. is being thrown at him by a guy who he hates to work with him on this project. So 
yeah, I think everyone's tensions are a little high. Yeah. Yeah. What but I, I mean, listen, I'm not saying that this makes it a better episode. Yeah. Portraying good people in a bad situation for a lot of times does not necessarily mean, oh, good, I want to yeah. watch that. I, I want to watch good people suffer for my entertainment. Yeah, I guess for me, like, I just want to like the main characters in a Star Trek show. And I don't really like Stamets, and I still don't in season two. And Tilly, right. I, I like Tilly fine, but I, you know, but not that much. <laughs> and, like, she's a take-it-or-leave-it character for me. Right. And I kind of liked the way that she was more in the beginning of the show. And it kind of missed this aspect of her. I'm like, oh, yeah, I did kind of like her more at first, and now I'm just kind of completely indifferent to her. But what about you, Sarah? I mean, I feel like you're all talking on things you already know are going to happen. Sure. Well, I guess because like, you've seen it. My question is, like, like, did you like Tilly in this episode? I mean, I thought she was fine, but I didn't know that was her name. That's yeah. why I was like, I have no idea. <laughs> this whole time, I've had no idea who we're talking about. Yeah. Until so I was like, oh, okay. And, and even just looking back, I don't really remember her much. And, like, I don't really remember much about, like, besides that scene at the end of, like, Kind of, but though know, I, I, yeah, I don't even. I remember like the most I took from her was that she said she wants to be a captain one day. Yeah, and I was like, oh, that's cool because she said she has special needs, and I feel like anytime someone says they have like, and I, you know, I don't know, in Star Trek, what that means. If that's like, if you say you have special needs in Star Trek, is that like the same as special needs in our in the real world? You know, what no, I, mean? I think like, in this case, yeah, I meant that she was allergic to polyester, so it was a real. She has like all these the allergies, the and yeah. Sensitivity. Okay, because I was like, is she then like on the Star Trek spectrum, or like, is there even a spectrum in Star Trek? No, but like, I, I think don't... that would be interesting. There's an episode. Yeah, I think an argument could be that. made that she is sort of an autistic character. Sure, that's you know, what I, I got from watching her. Yeah. I thought she was. This She's a palatable version of Barkley, <laughs> who's a very like you know oh, uh, huh. difficult personality in TNG. Hypochondriac. Oh, but see, I like Barkley way more. Yeah, <laughs> because Barkley doesn't seem as self-important, you know, like he's not like, right. but I'm brilliant and I'm going to make like, I just think, OK, I mean, and then the, now we're getting to the territory of me just saying what I wish was true, which, you know, I don't think every character has to be my envisionment of them. But I like I can imagine Tilly being almost well, I'm also reading Harry Potter right now. So but almost like a Luna Lovegood, <laughs> like hmm. like in her own world, very isolated, but just kind of oblivious, but also like really I don't know what the word would be. I mean, like Luna gives off this like kindness yeah. and this um nod and judgment, which because she's so weird, she doesn't really seem to judge other people that much. And Tilly seems very judgmental, very uptight. And, and and she admits it. I love that she's like, I know this is a flaw about myself. I care what other people think. Right. Um, but I just feel like it's this girl that's like my... And I think it is when you have allergies and you have sensitivities and stuff. That is really hard. But I think she's also living in a world that accommodates that, like clearly. And um, I don't know. I don't think that her struggle is convincing to me hmm. enough to yeah, make her sympathetic. Absolutely. Yeah. See, and that's interesting because, like, thinking about, like, I well, because when she said I had special needs, I instantly, and maybe it's just because I live with someone who has special needs, like, I instantly thought, like, oh, she is on the spectrum. So, like, these mm-hmm. personality traits make sense to someone who might have Asperger's or, like, someone who is on the spectrum and, like, how mm-hmm. there's kind of, like, a way to do things and, like, that's, mm-hmm. it doesn't waver or, like, how yeah. I think of these things does not waver. 
So it's interesting that, like, I wonder if they even either played more into that or less into that, if it would make her more likable, because it seems like she's in this, like, weird in-between of all the things. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, if that makes sense. Like, you know, yeah. and, like, it wouldn't... I wonder if, like, she was flushed out more in a way that, like, was empathetic to her. Yeah. But I don't... But honestly, like, she... It's funny, because I didn't even think about her that much. <laughs> like in this episode like sure. I, so it's funny all these things are saying I'm like wow I guess I kind of thought about that but I also just was it was there's so much everyone was talking where it's like oh like she's the one I'm like okay if there's anything right. I'm supposed to take from this episode she is not one of them like yeah. she's not yeah. and that is that. the benefit we have of living in the future because out of this episode of, of introducing you know a dozen characters we know which three or four are the ones that actually show up again. So yeah, right. seeing True. him now, you get to kind of have that sense of like, oh, this is where they came from. Right. And for you, it's sort of like you. There's no way to to, to sort out who's just here for a minute and who's going to be in for the long haul. Yeah. yeah, I feel like there were so many people in this episode that, mm-hmm. and they, and I think you kind of said this earlier that I was like, I have no, and and none of them, none of the people from the first two episodes were featured as much as these right. new people. Yep. So, like, when I saw people I recognized, I was like, oh, it's literally, like, a walk-by. Mm-hmm. And, or it's like, oh, he, like, said they had, like, a little scene, and then that guy's gone. And so it's mm-hmm. like, wait, but, like, these are the only people I know so far. Mm. Now there's all these new people saying these monologues and things that I'm like, I don't know what's... I still try to figure out who you are. Why are you talking so much? <laughs> like, yeah. just tell me who you are and why you're important, and then... We'll move on, but that never happened. So it was yeah. like, okay, I don't, I don't really. That's why I'm like, okay. At the end, I took away like the captain, the main captain dude is shady. Michael is no longer going to jail forever. <laughs> it's gonna get real. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, you know. I think yeah. that that's probably all you need, honestly, at this point. Yeah, and and it is. I think that's the biggest failure that Discovery has as a show in this episode, especially, is that it, it it doesn't really. It feels like none of it matters unless you're watching it again, and that's very frustrating because yeah. when you're watching it the first time, you only need these highlights, and the rest of it are effectively irrelevant at this point in time. Yeah. And yeah. so yeah. then it's well, then what's the point of it? happening yeah. and the whole idea of it being like here's a hundred characters and then we'll pick and choose which ones that we feature becomes kind of infuriating as the season goes on because mm-hmm. there's like glimpses of people that you're like I want more of that person right yeah. and you just don't get it you know right and, and they, that, that's yeah. that's really maddening yeah for me by the end of the season I you know they veered away from all the people I liked and and leaned heavy into the people I didn't care about and it's frustrating. I mean, like, I, the first two episodes, like, I love Giorgio. Captain Giorgio is an amazing character. And such a great um, statement to have an Asian woman captaining the ship. And then all of a sudden, we're back to having a white man captaining the ship. And he seems to be kind of a dick. Yeah. I'm like, well, that's a step down. And then, you know, all of the characters that we met in this episode are white. And this show was supposed to, was like talked about being more diverse mm. um and then they were more diverse for a second and then were less diverse all of a sudden and yes i mean the main character is a black woman and that's great but i also feel like her characterization so far doesn't for me doesn't make sense even knowing where it's going it still doesn't quite make sense to me like why is she so like why is she reacting to things the way she's reacting to them like who is she i just don't i don't get a strong sense of it from the from the script or from the performance. Mm. Um, 
And I feel that way about like all the characters except for Lorca. I feel like Lorca is the performance. Like, yes, I I know who this guy is. This guy is, um, you know, he's like this guy who's in charge and might be kind of dangerous, and we need to watch out for him. So that that I get, you know. Yeah, and Saru. I Lorca is like the. I know who that is. Oh, sorry. I was just making sure Lorca is no, the no. main. The captain. Uh, Captain, okay, sorry. Yeah. yeah. The evil guy. Yeah, so for me, this episode is like a massive Probably. step backwards for the show. Um, it basically like took the promise of the pilot, and it's like, oh, well, this is the show you actually get. And when I watch shows, I'm always expecting them to, you know, kind of like add and remove tension or like progress or, you know, devolve the story. Like if you if you have a Star Trek show and everything is going awful then it generally the arc of it is going to be let's see how we can make this go better into our futuristic ideals and it, you know i just feel like this episode is like way too far of a backwards step if we're going to like show you the ideal starfleet ship on the shenzhou and like show you this version of star trek that you want to see and then we're going to show you something completely different that you don't actually want and then kind of slowly build this crew together and slowly make these people love each other and kind of get bring these people together and and get this crew back on track I'm like well now i don't care you know like we've just like taken what i want you've tantalized me with it and now you're saying well you get this instead and maybe it'll become what you want eventually maybe it won't you don't know and you have to keep watching to find out and i'm like i don't care i don't care i don't want to find out now i don't like it but then they won you out. back. They won you back in season two. Yeah, so. by by you know getting rid of the writers and and bringing on new characters that I liked a lot more and sure. you know, but that's tying still- it more into the original canon and and taking the things that didn't make sense and trying to retcon them to make more sense, even though it's only one season later. I feel like season two is very apologetic for season one, and it it was an apology that I needed to hear because I I, I didn't like it. You know, <laughs> Jesse's like, thank you. I've that was for me personally, <laughs> yeah. and I feel so much better. <laughs> totally, yeah. But I do enjoy watching it so I can laugh at it because to me, it's <laughs> it's like la- there's so many monologues that are just laughably bad and yeah. just kind of like just silly. I don't know. Yeah, it's funny though. Like I'm realizing watching Star Trek as a whole is really making me actually care more about like story development and mm. like character development like i feel like i usually i'm so used to like i don't know i don't even really watch a lot of movies or tv in the sense of like something that i like fan over it's like oh i'll watch it and be like yeah i liked it but i don't really like think all the time about like the characters and stuff and movies and tv and it's it's kind of cool to like be like oh wow like i missed this because of how it was written or like i missed mm. this because of like how the characters were developed, not necessarily because, like, I wasn't paying attention, which is also the case a lot of times, <laughs> but, like, like to even be like, wow, like, I missed that, like, I don't know, I, I think that's one thing I'm really appreciating about Star Trek Club, is that it's, like, it's challenging my way of watching TV and, mm. and movies, and, like, how I analyze a movie and a TV show, mm, and, cool. like, okay, what did I really take away, what did I miss, or what was not given to us, and how could I have done it? Maybe how it could have done differently because it's mm-hmm. like even thinking of all these characters and it's like wow yeah you gave me all these characters and it would have made such a difference to be like even if someone was like oh yeah I'm this dude and like I do this and then in the episode like seeing seeing it like being told and seeing it's like yeah. oh I guess I like usually you would think I don't want to be like spoon fed this information but it's also like but without it being given to me, then I don't know what's going on. You need a little bit of spoon. Yeah, yeah. and so it's like yeah. interesting. 
I don't know. It's like it's it to me. It's very fascinating and like really fun to to think about it this way and also be like, yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah. But like, oh, this yeah. is why I don't understand, and this is why you all are here to be like, yes, we've seen this and we understand. But I don't know. I just all to say I appreciate and like really love what we're doing because it's challenging my way of of uh, digesting storytelling. I guess. Well, well yeah, it makes you're, me try to think awesome. about why I like stuff. Right, right. If, yeah. I, if I watch something and I'm like, oh, I like this, or I don't like it, I don't often dwell on why I do or not. Mm. Uh, but when later I'm going to explain to somebody why I did or didn't like it, Star Trek Club, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. it does make me yeah. ponder about it, like, oh, why did I? Yeah. Or, so, you know, just sometimes stuff that is that similar things can make me react in very different ways, you know, mm. yeah. where I can forgive something at times that I will also in the future be like, no, that's not good. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I'm always thinking about why I like or don't like things. Like that's my normal state. Um, and it's a huge part of why I started podcasting is because for me, it's like the way that I react to the things that I'm watching is like a huge part of my identity in a weird way. Like, loving star trek is a huge part of my identity we were just watching someone uh we were watching oh it was actually legends of tomorrow it wasn't we it was me i was just watching i watched the elvis episode yesterday and nate is telling amaya about music and how like having a moment together over music why that matters um and how like sometimes you'll hear a song and it's just like that's me that is my identity and then you want other people to hear it and love it because then it is like almost like a um like like your own value becomes higher if they like it too. Like your self-worth is tied up into it. And that's totally how I feel about Star Trek. It's like hmm. anyone who loves Star Trek um, for the reasons that I love Star Trek, or even for any reason, really, like people loving the things that I love is like validation in some way for me. Um, and and it, But it's really interesting to like talk to someone who loves something for completely different reasons, but it is like the same thing. I think that's like super interesting as well. Um, and the reason I struggle so much with Discovery is be- it's like the prequels to me. It's like the Star Wars prequels. It's like, well, the people who love Discovery probably wouldn't like Next Generation. You know, like if someone who comes to Discovery and loves it, they probably wouldn't like what I like about Star Trek. They probably wouldn't like this whole forward-thinking you know, idealistic, optimistic future that Star Trek tries to present. And that, to me... You'd be surprised. Really? Well, I, I want to be. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. But when I watch it, I'm I'm just thinking about the fact that, like, this kind of bums me out on this level of, like, th- this is not, you know, getting the idea across that Star Trek has always tried to. But then season two did, you know, in, in a huge way for me. And it, it really made me so happy but like season one besides the first two episodes i never feel that again yeah there's a bunch of people that got into star trek because of discovery or and or because of the jj abrams uh yeah. movies and then since then have gone on to find the rest of star trek and it's about the same sort of like oh yeah a bunch of them really do like the other stuff and then some say like ah no i only really liked the kind of actiony you know uh movies and that kind of thing but it's it's it, there's no like oh look this is a, a trending pattern of if you come to it this way you're gonna not like this thing hmm. whereas there's a bunch of people who knew all about tng existing 
didn't really care for it, and then like the new movies because it's like, yeah, I want to watch something that's kind of like uh, not a dumb, brainless action movie, but fairly close to it, you know? <laughs> yeah. So I, it's, not, it's not that people are getting spoiled or ruined on what could exist. It's, it's the potential to like or not like the aspects of it all exist, and seeing one aspect of it first doesn't necessarily color how you'll approach the rest of it. Sure. Yeah, and there's like so many bad episodes of Star Trek out there that I've been living with for decades, you know? <laughs> and this is just another one. Yeah. A lot of people forget about that, though, when they think and right. say, like, oh, TNG is great. I love TNG. It's like, oh, yeah, like 20% of TNG is really good. 50% of it is pretty good. And then there's a big swath of terrible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but it, for me, when, when TNG is terrible, it means well, and that's obvious. Like, even yeah. when it is really bad, like, yeah. it's trying to tell some sort of story. It's trying to make sure. some sort of point. There is some sort of substance in there. The writers yeah. know what the substance is, and even if they mi- missed the mark or danced around it in a way where it didn't come across, there was something there. And yeah. I still don't know what the substance is of season one of Discovery. Like, what is the message of this story? Like, what are we trying to get across? About we'll talk humanity? about that after the finale. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But that's something that I'm keeping in mind, you know, as we watch. Because, like, I still don't know, having already seen it before. I think I know. Oh, well, I'm excited to find out. Well, shall we rate this episode? <laughs> Do we have more thoughts? No. No. Let's rate it. What do you think, Andy? I'm going to give it a five. Wow. Yeah, I just feel like it's a wash for me, and I feel like a five is a fair. Because I I didn't hate it. Do you know? It's like, yeah. I mean, it was kind of like not at all what I wanted, but but I didn't hate it. And I, and I saw that it was making some bold choices. And again, I felt like the show... The show itself, even though I was really confused and tonally I was like, what is happening? And like, I did feel like, and I think I said this, I don't remember what I said this about, but that it, that it basically, that the, that the show maybe knows what it's doing or, or seems to have it going at it very strongly, you know? So it hasn't convinced me yet that it, that it's, that it's pointless, (laughs) Mm. so i feel like five is is like a fair and there were some details in that episode that i actually did enjoy like i really liked um well i really like saru and i and i feel like his character development in this episode was really great um and i like the idea of introducing new characters um because we've kind of destroyed a lot of the characters that i cared about before so i like that they're trying to build i like that they're trying to build a even though it's not as diverse as i would wish or maybe i'm they're not as likable yet i like that they're trying to build that crew that we that we know and love in in the star trek world of like these are these characters that are coming together for this common mission you know so i I like that 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 they were they are trying to rebuild that even if it's not with the people I would necessarily want them to do that with. Yeah. So five. What about you, Doug? Eight. Eight. Damn. Mm-hmm. Wow. I liked it. I really liked this episode. I liked it the first time I had seen it. I was you know, I had that kind of like, whoa, whiplash feeling the very first time because I also really liked the pilot, I, I believe I did watch it all at once, so it had that movie feel 
I didn't really think of it as two separate episodes, so it felt like, oh, right, I love this movie, can't wait to see the series based on it, and then find out, like, oh, it's just a couple of the people from the movie, and it's very different. Okay. Um, But then, very shortly uh, after watching it, I was interested. I wanted to, you know, they do their little, like, mystery box stuff, and I wanted to know what was going on, and and uh, I really, really liked the new, and I still like this kind of new take on Star Trek, of it being like, it's a dangerous, deadly world, and it's not a kind of clear, black and white utopian, here are the good guys that are all humans, and here are the bad guys that are mostly aliens. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, and I, and I in, in re-watching it, I still really like that. Um, I, I like the um, introduction of the new characters. Um, I, I see the seeds that are being planted for future things, and and uh, yeah, and that didn't. Those things didn't make it. I was worried that I would rewatch it, and I think it'll happen for some of them, and and like it less. Mm. But this one, I was like, oh yeah, okay. If they continued in this vein for the rest of the series, I think more people would have really loved season one of Discovery. Um, but I don't think that they maintain this level of quality, what I consider to be level of quality for the rest of the season. Yeah. What about you, Sarah? I feel like I'm, I'm like thinking like five and a half, maybe, maybe a solid five. Cause I agree with Andy that like, I didn't hate the episode, like, but there are definite things that I was like, I feel like I really could have just like, I mean, I cooked through a lot of it, Still watching and listening, but still yeah. didn't understand. Yeah, and and I don't think it's the fault of me cooking. I think it is the <laughs> fault of just some things that weren't laid out truly. As yeah. someone who knows absolutely nothing about this world and like nothing about the hints or the things that are being dropped for the future. Yeah. So I also don't. And I guess there were like main points. Like I got the main points, but I don't know why I should be interested in them yet. In a sense, like they're not they're not laid out in a way that like makes me root for anybody like not really even Michael at this point. So it's like, I'm interested. I feel like a five is like a neutral ground of like, it could definitely get better. It could get worse, but like, it was still like a fine episode. Like they still it's wrote it. it exists. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like it is in the the world and I watched it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I'm going to, I'm going to give it a four. I, I for me it's like a stylistic thing where I just really don't like the the writing of this episode. I don't like the dialogue. I don't like the character interactions. I don't like the way the plot is presented. I agree with you Sarah that it is presented in a way where it doesn't make me like feel like I'm supposed to care about it. Um and I think about like my my favorite things like like one of my favorite movies is Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the one with Sean Connery. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. And in the beginning of that movie, like you, you're going to go on this quest, and it, you know, I'm not a religious person. I don't know anything about, um, uh, like the, what the the Holy Grail, like the Cup of Christ. I, I don't, I didn't know what that was the first time I watched the movie. Um, but it explains everything to you. <laughs> Uh, even if you know nothing, in a way that is like artfully done and sets up this really great story momentum, where you're like, "Wow, I really care what happens." And on top of that, we've got like, you know, Indy's dad's diary, and like his dad's been kidnapped, and it's all personal immediately. You know, 
And I just like care so much about where the story is going to go. And then the action and the adventure feel like they matter because they are barriers to us getting where we need to go and where you care about getting to. And in this episode, it's just, for me, it's just all, all flash and no substance. Like I don't, I don't like the, the techno babble, the science babble. Um, I mean, the show, it looks great. Like it's a beautiful show that I love the design of the discovery. I think that it's pretty flash. Yeah, it's yeah. a beautiful ship. Definitely. I mean, I think it's based off of, isn't it based off like Ralph McQuarrie drawings for the scrapped Star Trek Phase 2 project? I think so. I'm not sure. But I really like the design. It's got this like cool Starfleet retro feel to it. Um, yeah, I mean, I really like the way the bridge looks and there's so much about it that's like really cool for, you know, someone who likes things that take place in outer space. And I do like seeing, uh, like some of the characters again, but I don't like the new characters. And I, the way everyone talks to each other just kind of infuriates me. It's very soap opera ish. Mm -hmm. And there's like this sort of like sterile heightened dialogue in Star Trek that I actually really like, even though it's kind of sterile and like next generation, people are like a little formal with each other. Um, but I kind of like it. And this one, it feels like everyone's just mean to each other and mad at each other. and Giving a speech. Yeah, and everyone's speechifying all the time. <laughs> yeah. And it just feels so forced in a way that I just really don't care for. It's why we stopped watching This Is Us. Yeah, we told... We, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, if everyone just jumps yeah, into speeches fair. all the time, I can't... There's a lot of reasons to stop watching that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah it's very nice. And I'm in season three and probably will keep going. <laughs> of This Is Us? Yeah, yeah, we we, I think we made it to. We were in season three, I think, when we. Yeah, I think so. When we we just like we didn't even intend to stop. It's just like every time we watched it, it was such a slog that we just. Do you have of, HBO? No, oh. I did, but I don't anymore. What do you recommend? Years and years is recommend. I highly recommend Years and Years. Hmm. Years and Years. Oh, and also Weird. Avenue Five. It's sci-fi stuff. I really want to watch Avenue Five. Yeah. <gasps> so good. Oh, it looks. I love Hugh Laurie. Uh, yeah. Well, my. Oh, what? I interrupted your rating. <laughs> oh, sorry. Oh, it's a four. It's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's some things I like about it, and we. I think we've gone over those, so I feel like those things all kind of add up to about a four. But my my confusion and my frustration. Um, I mean, maybe I'm. Uh, my confusion and frustration are strong with this one. I'm almost talking myself <laughs> down, but I'm going to stick with that four. Uh, but this episode like does not make me excited to see the next episode. Even the first time I watched it, I'm like, oh, this kind of I'm now full of dread. Mm. I'm going to watch the next one well, as soon as we're done with this. <laughs> I want to. I will say this: we Jesse and I just watched the first episode of the second season. No, the second episode of the second season of Outlander. Yeah. And we we knew what was going on for the most part, but what was but, going on was so boring yeah, we didn't that care. we didn't care. So I think I would rather um, not care because I don't know what's going on than yeah. not care because I don't know what's going wow, on. Wow, that's a great point. <laughs> yeah. so I, think I understand that's why. it and I'm bored. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, why is everyone watching the king trying to take a shit? I don't understand. <laughs> no, I do kind of, Shitting but I don't care. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, that's a really good point. And yeah, I, yeah, I, even when I'm laughing at the show, I'm still tuned into it. Like it's yeah. not losing my yeah, attention. Yeah, yeah, it's it definitely. So it gets yeah, a four. Yeah, I feel better about yeah. that four. Yeah. Well, in some uh, different news, but related news. Yeah. Lavar Burton has confirmed that he's coming back for Star Trek: The oh, Card season really? two. Getting some Jordy. Getting some Jordy. Yay! Yay! I can't wait. I'm that's so excited. Awesome. And Dinan. And Dine. Oh yeah. yeah, that's right. Has, has that been reconfirmed beyond the invite? On the view? Yeah. I think so, yeah. 
Okay. I've like read stuff that talked about it, but you know, I mean, okay. who knows when anything's going to be made at this point? Sure, right. Pandemic going right. on, but mm-hmm. but Star Trek Club is yeah rocking and rolling. We, listen, we've got enough Star Trek. There's to enough watch. Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I do really miss being able to be in the same room with people. I though. know, and I miss watching it all together. Yeah, totally. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I just get more of it through like osmosis by sitting next to you all when right. we watch yeah. it. Where right, because like, if something happens and then everyone reacts, yeah, you're like, wait, was that important? And if you right, watch I'm something like, oh. and no one reacts and yeah. it's confusing, then you know, yeah, maybe no one gets it. <laughs> yeah. Right, yeah, absolutely. Um, what? So, what did the dial the line of dialogue where he says context is for kings? Yeah, what does that mean? I don't understand that. It means that universal law is for lackeys. And okay. it's basically saying like, hey, if you just always blindly follow the prime directive, yeah. you're an idiot. You're a peon. Yeah. Uh, if you okay, can gotcha. take context into account, yeah, okay. that's your like next level stuff. Yeah. And I do it's like... A, it's a really shitty way to describe basically how all of the captains in all of the Star Treks we love yeah. act. Yeah. But it is really like a very arrogant dickish way to say it yeah Yeah, sure that reminds me how much i do like the fact that Lorca is saying you made the right call when you mutinied like yeah your call was right and i need an officer like you um Mm. i was a little confused by how everyone was acting as if she started the war because yeah the war started with or without her mutiny yes i am fine with that now That, that used to bother me i'm fine with it now because it's what it is is a misunderstanding of a situation sure. that only the people who are on the bridge mm. and one of them is dead, you know, could truly understand. Mm. And it doesn't strike me that Star Trek is a, a universe in which we're at war with the Klingons. Now let's sit down and do TV interviews and explain what's going on. Right. Yeah. So yeah, what, it what does comes out into yeah. the world is that here's this woman who's on trial for mutiny at this ship that was at this battle and now we're at war with the Klingons, oh, she must be the one who caused the war mm. because of her mutiny. Right. And people... So that's what everyone acts like. And she's not dismissing that because I think she's really upset at herself and at all the death that had happened, you know? Right, totally. So she's kind of like not correcting the record. Yeah, I, you know, it does, I think it does make sense. It just, it's, it, it like rubs me the wrong way because it, it doesn't feel true. like the characters know things. It's like they're just saying things, mm-hmm. if that yeah. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Well, they're reacting to false information. Sure. But I think that it's in-universe makes sense. What would bother yeah. me is if they were like, they show us the pilot, and then everyone explicitly talks about as if it didn't happen that way, you know? Yeah. That's the kind of like, you know, I was talking about headcanon and things making sense. But something like that is just too glaring. And in this case, I feel like it is it is intentional, but it's not crucial. Yeah, like it did mm. what what they act like is like, oh, you mutinied and it killed the captain. That's not what happened. Like she's not at all. Right. The captain's like, oh, you shouldn't have done that. Can you help me on this mission? And then the right. captain dies. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, but, and it's yeah. why I think Saru's reaction to her in this episode is really interesting. We're, we're going back to... Yeah. <laughs> we already finished rating it. I'm already diving right back in. That's okay. Um, uh, because Saru is basically saying, you're great, and it's, everything about you is great, except for when you, know, you disobeyed the captain. He doesn't say, like, 
you're responsible for the war. You're responsible for all these deaths. You're responsible for right. uh, Philippa Giorgio dying. Right. Mm-hmm. He's just saying, you're great until you did this one thing, and then that's not cool. Yeah. But yeah, I think then in general, everyone else blames her explicitly right. for the war and for the deaths. people and love a scapegoat, she, and that does make sense. Well, yeah, and mm-hmm. she's more than willing to take up that mantle, I think, because Out she has self-hatred. self-hatred and guilt. Yeah, yeah so yeah. this is a way to sure. kind of continue to flagellate herself and allow everyone around her to pile on yeah. and give her the punishment she feels she deserves. I know we're trying to wrap up here, but I have to say I love the captain's ready room. I love the way it looks. I love his oh, standing desk. Filled with knickknacks from Star Trek I history. love that he's got this. Yeah, there's like a Gorn skeleton. I love that he's got this. Uh, a Tribble. The Tribble, yeah. <laughs> or there's like actually, there's like two rooms, isn't there? He's got like a secret room with the Gorn oh, skeleton. Oh, he's got his, his spooky science room and his yeah. desk, yeah. But I love his little pot of fortune cookies. And Family all business. I want, all I want is when he's handing a fortune cookie to Michael, all I want is for her to rip it in half. Like when someone hands you a fortune cookie, don't you just rip it? Like you don't just take it, you break it, right? Take it, break it. I don't know. That that's a continuity flaw that that's I the cannot you accept. Take it, you break it, you make it happen. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, well, speaking of Outlander, if anyone wants to hear, Andy and I recorded like a forty-five minute podcast about season one of Outlander mm-hmm. that's on the Space Nerds Patron Cast. Um, Spoilers. Spoilers that it's on the patron cast? No, the, the, there's spoilers in it. Oh, yeah, there's spoilers in it. But anyone who's like a Ronald D. Moore fan and wants our take on his current show, that's where you can hear it. Sexy um, time travel. Woo-woo. Sexy time travel, well, indeed. sexy till it makes you it... never want to touch another person again. Yeah, but... <laughs> that show goes from being like the the best foreplay you've ever had to the the mojo killer of all time. <laughs> like, you'll never want to touch another human being. Yeah. Um, which is perfect great. for you our can't, current environment you can't right now. So if you want to feel better about it, <laughs> yeah, stick through it till the end. Yeah, um, yeah, and I, you know, I'm I'm more excited about Star Trek Club than I am about watching the next episode of Discovery. But the faster Ooh. we get through this, the faster we can get to the stuff I love, which is in season. Yeah, two. our future reviews are just going to be me going. I still really liked it, and yeah. then Jesse going. It's a three. Let's move on. Yeah. It'll be a, a, a <laughs> no, two-minute podcast. I appreciate hearing what you really like about it, Doug. Oh, me too, you for know? sure. Like, I, I like that point of view. And, I, you know, just to quickly get back to what we love about Star Trek Club. I'm a soft touch. I just, yeah, I mean, I just like hearing what other people think about things yeah. that I've consumed. And if yes. and if they have a different opinion than me, after, actually, often I enjoy that even more. Because, mm-hmm. you know, I just think we all bring different tastes, different life experiences, different um perspectives to what we watch and like to hear somebody else's like sometimes i'm sometimes i start our conversations having one score and after listening to everybody it's shifted just based on what other people have said yeah so absolutely you know i like i like that yeah i mean if we didn't have someone who loved this season in the club it would be such a bummer so depressing it would just be us like (laughs) piling on nonsense and yeah. i i love that you love it yeah and i you know i'm i'm thrilled that i love season two and i've come around on the show and i'm you know i'm excited about the show but i don't i don't know if anything is ever gonna make me convinced that this is a good season but i'm right. so glad that you like it you know so and, looking forward to season three that's gonna be yeah i'm stoked mm. interesting totally 
All right. Well, this was a great discussion about a mediocre episode. (laughs) (laughs) Let that continue. (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you all so much for being here. I always appreciate it. If people want to connect with my fellow space nerds on Twitter or Instagram, I always put links in the description of the podcasts to to these other lovely people, (laughs) either sitting in this room with me or staring at me over the computer. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Oh, that's a good face. Until next time, stay nerdy out Stay there. mushroom out there. <laughs> Space Nerds is listener-funded through Patreon. To support the show and gain access to bonus content, sign up at patreon.com slash spacenerdspodcast. If you love this show, help us spread the word by sharing it on your favorite social media platform or leaving us a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you can find our show. If you have a question or comment you'd like the Space Nerds to discuss in the next episode, email us at spacenerdspodcast at gmail.com. To browse our complete library of episodes or check out my sci-fi synth-pop music and music videos, visit my website at jessemercury.com. Keep it spacey, baby!